Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Why were you obsessed with the number four? It's my favorite number. Still is. Still my favorite number. Forget anything. It's the number four. I'm like, fuck yeah. What is it about number four? I don't know. Just as a kid, I just gravitated towards the number four. So much that when I was four, I didn't want to turn five and refused to acknowledge the number five. So I'd go, I'd go one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So was it, was it a love of number four or a hate of number five in the end? Both. One became the other. But then when I turned five, I was like, oh, I'm five, sound. That is a lovely story for the audio podcast listeners to hear at the beginning of the show. (laughs) Before we turn the camera on. I'm leaving that in. That's the intro. All right. Now we can start. The boyhood dream has come true. All of you spoke to me. You're about to find out how ugly mankind can really be. Myself and the click are going to dance all over your face. Talk about your Psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. Welcome, everyone, to the Goldolic Classic Raw Review. Ow! This is where, as the other cultaholic lads look straight ahead towards a WrestleMania backlash, we, via our Ica Pro powered DeLorean, are getting the backwash from 1995 in the shape of 1996. And who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, Tom Campbell. I'm with the mulligan to my O'Hare, Jack Atkins from Cultaholic.com. Jackins, Jackins, hello. Hello, Tom. How you doing? Is your throat all right? That sounds a bit phlegmy. That was quite phlegmy, wasn't it? Yeah. I was ever so phlegmy. You're one of the great Flemish painters. Hey, hey. look at that. <laughs> look at that. You'll appreciate that. Hey, if you're watching on the uh, on the Patreon, thank you very much for supporting us on the Patreon. You get to watch this. You can see right now my hair currently, before I go to the hairdressers, is in almost full Michael McDonald mode. <laughs> I keep forgetting nothing anymore. <laughs> never be the same again. My hair does not grow down, it grows out. And during lockdown, I went full Michael McDonald. Oh my God. Mm. I love Michael McDonald, so that's just turning me on. Yes, it does. It does it, it, sadly, it doesn't have the same fair for Alex, weirdly. No. <laughs> she just says, Why does your hair grow out? It's weird. I said so. We're, and what's funny is we're recording this uh, for Bank Holiday Monday. Happy Bank Holiday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Neither of us are working. I'm probably working. I might be working. You might be working. We're both working. Possibly, yeah. Um, but by which point I would have had a haircut, so it'll all be this. This is out of fashion now. Yeah. So enjoy Michael McDonald while you have him. 
I mean, I can't believe you've gone, you know, so committed to the bit with your Hawaiian shirt and small, <laughs> small keyboard. I wish I'd thought of that now. <laughs> Things will never be the same again. <laughs> I love Michael McDonald. <laughs> yeah. He's got a voice like an open garage door. <laughs> <laughs> He's a beautiful man. He is. Um, so that's development on my side <laughs> of the world. The other development is right. We are clearly doing well at the Cartaholic Office because the um, the the beverage, the food and beverage delivery arrived mm. last week. Don't know who orders it. It just turns up. We have in the office now cherry flavored Seven Up. That's a thing. Apparently, never had one in my life. Let's get a, uh, a live taste test. Okay, live taste test. Tom, Tom Campbell with the cherry Seven Up free. On a Cult Hall Classic Raw Review. Shit that. Yeah. That's <laughs> no, it's all right, actually. That's that's <laughs> This is the this, this is best. This is the best podcast we've ever done. We've sang Michael McDonald and uh, slurped a drink. That's all right, that. Yeah. Have you are you a are you a pop aficionado? Uh yeah. Would you like to partake of it a little bit if I wipe the... I'm, I'm not a cherry wipe guy. Wipe the nib. <laughs> I'm not a cherry guy. No? No, cherry age used to make me always violently sick as a kid for some reason. <laughs> so it became is that from... how you met Louis? Yeah, that is, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, when, when, when I was a young boy and Louis was a kitten, apparently we were both just there throwing up. <laughs> 30 years later, we're just like, oh, look at us now. Oh, um, <laughs> hey, look no, at us. <laughs> yes, look at us. I am a pop aficionado because um, w- when we get the drinks deliveries i always get affronted that i'm not consulted seeing as i am the straight edge man at the office <laughs> and i'm just like any good drinks delivery you need a full fat cola you need a sugar-free cola you need some kind of lemonade such as a seven up you need a fruity beverage you need some kind of flavored sparkling water and maybe another fruity beverage and that's your basis and an energy drink base is covered Sometimes but, we go a bit off the deep end. But the, but we do put a message in the chat saying who wants who's who wants what. Do you not involve then? Well, this or are one, you misheard? This one just, This one just appeared. It was the time before that I oh. rolled up my sleeves and was like, right, let's fucking go. Maybe we make you head of sort of beverages. Oh, can I be um, commissioner of food and beverage? Commissioner like of food and beverage. Excalibur was in PWG. <laughs> okay. I okay. Uh, uh, petition to make Jack Atkins the head of the commissioner of food and beverage for Cultaholic because <laughs> we when we get the so like we're all just just chubsters here really and we just get like this monthly delivery of, of fizzy drinks and biscuits and chocolate and crisps <laughs> yeah and what was it that popped up in the delivery that we took the other day where we all went hey are we are we doing all right at the moment <laughs> it was the uh it was the multi-pack of mint Viscount biscuits. It was Viscount biscuits, wasn't it? Yeah, Viscount biscuits. And we were like, fuck me, we're doing all right. It's like, are we breaking? I mean, we're breaking even now. Yeah. Brilliant. As a company, we must be, you know, it's fine. I don't want to, I don't want a bonus. I just want more Viscount biscuits. More Viscount biscuits. Yeah. Did we have some, did we have like some Biscoff biscuits as well? We did. We had like Biscoff sandwich biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking went through them like a German Christ. Semper <laughs> I really did. I think Ashton had one. I went, ooh, they're quite nice. And I just kind of floated over. And I was just like, oh, let me partake. I was like, right, they're mine then. <laughs> so Ashton, so the, what happened was, right, Ashton tried one and went, oh, they're nice. And then Jackin said, oh, can I have, can I grab the packet and try one? You try one. You went, oh. And then Ashton went to get the packet off you. And you just went, 
bitter. <laughs> Just get a tetanus. <laughs> Don't know where I've been. <laughs> so if, you, if you want to, if you if you were, if you're wondering like why triple jump content seems a bit different, maybe Ashton looks a bit weepy. It's because she got bitten by Jackins. <laughs> Legend says only a silver bullet can take me down. So <laughs> once he gets going, oh, we yeah. chase him into the woods sometimes, <laughs> like a like a silverback. <laughs> Be gone, you foul beast! <laughs> he just clutching the Fiskoff biscuits in the middle of the woods. <gasps> Tom, get the clergy! Oh, He's gone feral again. <laughs> Call the vicar. Uh, be gone! <laughs> a bit, Adam going, why have these articles been written? <laughs> Jack Kids is up a tree. We have to get a medieval uh, we, we have to get a medieval priest to chase him up. <laughs> Proper blood and thunder bastard of a mustache. <laughs> Where one of those big cassocks just like uh, <laughs> Christ compels you! <laughs> Where'd he get a cannon? Um, <laughs> How are you anyway, mate? Apart from that, are you all right? Yeah, same as last week. <laughs> I've just been yeah doing the same. I've just been playing uh, GTA Online. I, I took I took a day off for the first time this year. Well done, mate. Yeah, played GTA all day. Nice. Oh, we uh, there was some bollocks with going out for breakfast. Um, so Sean was like, "Ooh, ooh, should we go out?" Because you both had the same day off. Well, she she was meant to be in work, but she could just do it all from home. So she was like, I'm, I'm taking a morning. So on my day off, I got up and she had a lie in, even though she was in work. So I was furious about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're, we're in time off, which is quite Tory, but it's very, it's it's a seaside town. So the weekends and summer, it's unbearable because it's just everyone's mm. there. But I forgot that because it's quite a weekendy town, loads of places are closed on a Monday. Yeah. So we went out for breakfast. First choice was closed. Second choice was closed. Third choice was closed. So we went to the only place that was open. And I've got a face on me by this time. Because are you like me? Where like, I'm just hungry now. Yeah. Just worry. Like, we're, I think we're, we're very similar in we that are. regard. I get really grumpy if I'm hungry. I get really sad if I'm hungry sometimes as well. I, d- I just start chunnering and, and Sean's just like, oh. And I have to apologize. Like, it's like, you know, like the fucking Snickers thing. I'm... You're not you when you're hungry. I, no, I am. I'm just dialed up to 12. I'm just like, pure <laughs> asshole. I'm just like, oh, just bring me raw meat. Um, so we go to this one place, and uh, for the listeners out there, I eat eggs every day. I've, yeah. got, I've got a running tally in my diary of how many eggs I eat. So at the end of the year, I will know how many eggs exactly. Do you not worry about becoming egg-bound? Egg-bound? You can't poo because you eat too many eggs. Oh no, I'm fucking. I'm are regular. You, are you regular? Oh, yeah. Wow, what system you have? Oh yeah, because I I hear being egg bound is quite common. Egg bound. Yeah, I've been eating lots of eggs for years. Wow, huh? I I eat. <laughs> Either that or is the sequel to Earthbound. <laughs> Mother. <laughs> I eat like a 1920s strongman, <laughs> but I don't do any exercise. So. <laughs> If I lifted one, like, round dumbbell, I'd be the size of a horse, but instead <laughs> of just, you know, just eat all this eggs and drink milk and then just, like, lie down on the couch and cry. Um, so we ended up going to this cafe, and Sean went, Jack, the, um, they don't do eggs. I just went, right, stand up, we're going out. <laughs> I, I think you said it with a lot more piss and vinegar I was, well, <laughs> than we, that. We, we'd been sat down 
and like there's people around and she went oh they, <laughs> she went up and had a look and came back and she said they've only really got like sausage and bacon boys but the day before we'd had a roast dinner so i was meated up and i was just like i want eggs I just want some eggs now. i want eggs. gotta and, balance it and she even said that she'd gone up and saw there's no eggs and thought do i just order him a sandwich and say there's your breakfast sandwich shut up <laughs> she's like no because he'll booth off and throw it at the wall like a toddler <laughs> i wouldn't in public i'm not that bad but i just went no i said well I said, uh, we'll, we'll just order some coffees mm-hmm. and we'll leave. And I went home and made my own eggs. And then I was happy again. I was like, oh, these eggs are delicious. What a lovely day. <laughs> uh, so that's that's all that's happened to me. <laughs> eggs. Oh, well, I mean, for future reference, I mean, would you go back? Had you not had a roast dinner yeah. on the Sunday, would you have been happy with like a sausage and bacon butty at the venue number five? Uh, yeah. 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 I was just fe- I was feeling very meaty. Yeah. At, at the risk of getting a bit vulgar, I had the roast dinner farts going oh, on. So I was just like, oh, right. no. Yeah. Over, overrun with meat. Yeah. Eggs to balance. I get it. You're like me then. Like, you get very grumpy when, or sad, or emotional when, like, for, for me, Alex will always say to me, if I'm, if I'm in a bad mood or if I'm feeling a little bit lost, she'll go, are you hungry or are you tired? <laughs> <laughs> and normally it's like, yeah, like I felt a bit shitty on Monday, and I was just like, and I remember coming home and I just can't put my finger on it. I'm just really struggling today. Like, uh, like and I feel like I'm worried about this. I'm worried about this. I don't know if this is going to work. And she said, "You do realize that you spent the last all last week doing your day job and then overnights." Yes, you've had about five hours sleep. You are hungry and you are tired. Eat some food and go to bed because <laughs> you're no good to me in this condition. Like, fair, that's yeah. fair. So we had dinner and I went to bed early. And then I felt fine the next day. I was like, yeah, all that stuff I was worried about was fine. It worked out grand. How, how was uh, Hell Week? Hell Week, do you know what? It was fun. I had a lovely time. I just, it, I managed to get into the closest I could come to a decent routine where I would do. So last week I covered overnights on uh, the local BBC station as well as doing Cultaholic because I, I'm clearly weird. <laughs> And um, had a lovely week doing the show. The show was really fun. Um, we had some WWE guys on, which was always good fun. Uh, and I love, I like doing radio at that time of night. There's a magic about that time of night because you get some really fun callers on. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a special energy about about late night phone in shows. There's a special energy. I really love it. And uh, I mean, you can listen back to them on the BBC Sounds app and hear some of the the quite frankly bollocks we got up to in that week um but it was it was great fun uh, but then it was just the, the then i'd get home i'd be home by like half one like i'd still be like buzzing between like half one and half two mm. so i'd sit in bed i was in the spare bed all last week and that sucks as well because yeah. you know i'm you know i'm you know even in not a naughty way like i miss lying next to alex on an evening like there's a oh, normality yeah, yeah, yeah. to being in there with with the person that you love, and even Alex went, "I miss you this week." I said, oh, "I miss you too." Um, so I was in a spare bed at, from like half one. I got into got into bed, had the laptop, and I was prepping for like I was prepping the news for the, the next day of Coldholic. Right. Because because one of my things is because I do the news podcast, I'll sort of have a scout around and go, "What's happening in the wrestling world? What can we talk about tomorrow?" So I'll kind of do like uh, almost like a like a not a cheat sheet, but just sort of like a a summary. A summary of the yeah, yeah, like the 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 rushes, the summary for the news of the day. So I'd be writing that to about half two. By which point I'd be like, I'd be nodding off from the laptop. They go right now is the time to sleep. <laughs> and then I'd set my alarm for about probably half five. 
because that'll be when Alex's alarm goes off. So then we can spend a little bit of time together as she's getting up and ready in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that is normally my time to start getting ready to go to work anyway. So right. I did that. <laughs> and I, then I was here till about three o'clock every day. I went home, had a little sleep, said goodnight to Alex, went back to work. <laughs> I did that for a week. And no wonder I was sad on Monday. <laughs> no wonder I was sad on Monday. Proper sad on Monday. Big shout to uh, Chris, uh, working class Chris, who was the producer, who who bought in posh coffees all week. Very nice. He had a nice little, he had some of those nice posh coffees in sachets. Yeah. So I I drank excellent coffee all week. Very good. Which is uh, uh, half twelve in the morning. <laughs> this is definitely what you need. Yeah. Like a nice posh coffee just to yeah just to push you over the line. Get get you over the mm. over the not over the edge. That's the last oh, thing you need on live radio. <laughs> To Pete Price. <laughs> <laughs> There's a name. You're a Tulak. You're a waste of space. Is it true you're a lizard, Pete? Shut up! I am not a lizard. <laughs> Another radio legend from the UK. Do look up Pete Price. <laughs> the nice thing is, this week I am a hundred percent a slacker. Yeah, because I'm doing one job all week. Fucking yeah. Great. I am. I am. A, I am a slacker. I am no good. I am living off the government. I don't know. I'm only doing one job all week. Yeah. I'm ashamed to myself. Yeah, I mean... One of those jobs is talking about wrestling with you. That's, but like we said many times, we're very lucky to have this job. It's barely work. Alex described it this morning as I left as, you're off to the ice cream factory. <laughs> I was like, yeah, fair. A bad day in this job is a good day in any other job. Oh, God, yeah. You know, that's that's the way I think about it. Yeah. Uh, but we are here at the Ice Cream Factory to talk about <laughs> January the 15th, 1996. Uh, and uh, so Jackins is going to go through some of the rigors of the Wrestling Observer for this week. Uh, let's take a look at some of the... Some of the, the, the world news from this week. The UK box office, number one, is still seven... Still in there. What's in the box? The US box office, number one, is still 12 monkeys. Yeah. What's in the monkeys? Uh, the, the UK chart, number one, is Michael Jackson's Earth Song. And the US chart, number one, is Mariah Carey's One Sweet Day. Three of those four things will change next week. Ooh. Uh, world events, January the 17th, sees Detroit Center C- Steve Zerman. Score his 500th career NHL goal at the Red Wings uh, as the Red Wings beat Colorado 3-2 at the Joe Lewis Arena uh, and joins Geordie Howe as the only player to score 500 goals for Detroit. Gordie Howe. Gordie Howe, The great Gordie Howe. I I misread that. The great Gordie Howe. You are an NHLman. Used to be a bit of an NHLman. Because did I pronounce that right? I don't know. We'll guess so. Sorry if I didn't. No Gordie Howe. um, And... It was a weird one because when I was a kid, I got given a Detroit Red Wings poster when I was about three. So I've always gravitated towards them. But my, you know, it's it's always been a kind of, yeah, hockey. I like hockey. I keep it. Yeah, if it's on, I'll watch it. Even when I lived in Canada, I didn't even really watch that much hockey. Everyone was like, oh, you know, the Maple Leafs are shit. I was like, yeah, the Maple Leafs are pretty shit. <laughs> <laughs> Went to one like B-League game and it was great because I was third row. There's about... I bought a thousand people there. I had M&Ms. There was a fellow in a dog mascot suit and I wanted to batter him. And there was loads of fights <laughs> and a good game of hockey. It was like, hockey's amazing. <laughs> so, <laughs> Have you been to any hockey in the UK? Never. 
Because there's a nice little bit of hockey in the UK. Yeah, it was the the Manchester Arena, the former MEN, the 20,000 seater. That used to be the Manchester Storm hockey arena. And then people were like, oh, no, we should just like put on like wrestling, UFC, and massive, massive gigs. So at, at one point that was a hockey arena, but no, never been. I've never been to, was it the Whitley Bay Ice? Yeah, that's it. Gaff, that I've heard is not in tip-top condition anymore because it's very old. It's not. Um, it's it's been it's seen better days as the Whitley Bay, but it was the home of the Whitley Warriors, and they had a a good run there. There were some WWE shows that yeah. came from there as well. We we were contemplating doing it for my birthday. Sean was like, "Do you want to go watch hockey?" I was like, "Kinda." It's like, "Yeah, I'd like that." Get a hot dog, watch hockey, shout foul abuse at someone. And then it got around to it. And I was just like, do you know what? I just want to eat chili and sit on the couch. And she was like, you do that every day? I was like, yeah, but I want to do it and <laughs> be praised for it. And she was like, well, okay, we'll do that instead. So, <laughs> um, Alex's dad used to be a, a rink announcer for an ice hockey team in the UK. Oh, right. For Manchester Storm. Yeah, the Storm. So he, yeah. he, he did work. Was it the MEN days or was it after? Yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was at the MEN days and he was for a little while at uh, their rebirth at Altrincham. Okay. He was the voice of the Storm. Manchester Storm! That was uh, John Hammond, Alex's dad. The, the voice of the Storm the voice is of cool the, nickname. Isn't it great? Isn't it great? The voice of the Storm. It's like the flashing blade. Oh, <laughs> the radio, all the radio legends coming out tonight. Uh, January 17th also saw the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame get some new inductees. Gladys Knight and the mm. Pips, Pink Floyd, Velvet Underground, Tom Donahue, and David Bowie. David Bowie. Bowie in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Golden Globes took place on the 21st of January. Sense and Sensibility winning Best Movie. Uh, Sharon Stone winning Best Actress. And Nicolas Cage winning Best Actor, as he should every year. What came out in 95? Was that Leaving Las Vegas? I think it might have been, yeah. Because he won the Oscar for that. I know that much. Uh, let me let me check. We'll find out. We're going to do it live. Golden Globes, 1995. I can tell you that the movie that he won... The thing for... No, I want 1996 Golden Globes, don't I? 1996, Thomas. What are we doing? What are we doing, Your Honour? Um, okay, so... Sharon Stone won Best Actress in a Motion Picture for Casino. And it was indeed Leaving Las Vegas that Nicolas, Nicolas Cage won uh, the Best Actor for. Well done. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Nicole Kidman won Best Actress in a Musical Comedy. What? Uh, for... It doesn't tell me. Best actress in a musical or comedy. I'm gonna have to go on to her. Batman Forever. <laughs> Everybody knows that was the best comedy. I'm gonna go onto a onto a Wikipedia page so we can know this and uh, one comedy. <laughs> Come on. I could be helping you out here, but I'm nah. just watching you just think on your feet. <laughs> List of awards and nominations but a Cole Kidman. Um received by Nicole Kidman. We'll find it. We'll find it. We'll find it. Um <laughs> Film Festival Awards, International Theatre Awards, no. Uh, major associations. Okay. Um, Golden Globes. 96. Uh, to Die For. I thought that was earlier than that. Like. No, it came out in 95. Okay, I always assumed that was like 89 or something yeah, like that. There you go, mm. the more you know. John Travolta won an award as well for Get Shorty. Get Shorty. Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy Film. Yeah, well done to you. Well done to you. Uh, Brad Pitt won Best Supporting Actor for 12 Monkeys. He's, he's not in it much. Mm, he 
he's, he's in it he's enough, in... apparently. Best Supporting Actor, so I guess he okay. is supporting. Yeah. Um, Sybil Shepherd won Best Actress in a Musical or Comedy TV Series. Of course, Sybil. Sybil. Yeah. I used to uh, watch that as a kid. I used to watch it. It was on the Paramount <laughs> Comedy Channel, wasn't it? Oh, I had, oh Channel 4. I was, a, uh, oh. I was a terrestrial boy. Oh, look at you. Mm. I was doing all right. Um, <laughs> Kelsey Grammer won Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy TV Series for... Frasier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby, I hear the blues <laughs> coming. They're out of eggs. Right, fucking leave it. <laughs> <laughs> what breakfast place doesn't do eggs? They call it again. Frasier Crane wants eggs. Frasier Crane comes in. Put it in his, put in his song. I was just like, oh, we've got no, we've got no eggs, Dr. Crane. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> I am wounded. <laughs> um, babe won best musical or comedy motion picture. Great film. Yay. Well done to the talking pig. <laughs> Good lad. <laughs> With the voice of Chucky Finster. Oh, he was one here. Yeah. Very... Is it Tara Strong? No, I'm not going down. That. I'm not going to ask any more questions of things that I've not got notes on. Um, so that's the that's the real world. Yay! That's the real world this week. Uh, what's happening in the wrestling world? Dave Meltzer's been a very busy boy. So busy that I didn't. So really... busy, he has not got time to tidy his room. He hasn't. The fucking <laughs> filthy Doyle. <laughs> but, <laughs> Filthy Doyle! I didn't... There was two newsletters in this week in 1996, and I didn't realise there was a second one until about 10 minutes before we had to... <laughs> oh, my fault. I should have warned you. No, I should have done my job. I mean, there... <laughs> but... <laughs> we, <laughs> fuck me. We, we corralled Bank the best holiday, of fine. <laughs> so, the first one, it was the Wrestling Observer <laughs> Newsletter Awards <laughs> 1995. Sorry, man, I just burped at the start of your segment. That's, very that's really fine, weird. that's fine. I, <laughs> I was going to say I've done worse. These are, two, then... these are too casual, aren't they? Think about this the other day. These are too casual. We, I feel like the news videos are like nice, precise, concise, eight minutes, well-structured, placed, da, 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 bit of banter in between, and that's fine. Call Ollie Podcast goes on a couple of tangents, but it's fine. We just sit here going, fuck shit, eggs, bleh. <laughs> These are too casual. I mean, you know, which, <laughs> th this is our real lives. It's just like, oh, wrestling's an obligation. But <laughs> eggs, eggs and Frasier is life. It's an occupation and an obligation. That is a very good line. I've got to put my head in the bin after this. Fuck me. Do you, want, do you want some wrestling awards? Yeah. Let's talk about eggs for a bit. No. Yeah, go on. Give us some wrestling news from get, Dave. Dave's been a busy boy. Let's get some awards because this podcast has never get a one. <laughs> <laughs> Wrestler of the year. Yeah. Mitsuhara Masawa. Kenny Omega. No. 1994. Toshiaka Kawada. Nice. Uh, outstanding wrestler. Manami Toyota. Nice. Babyface of the year. Pera Aguayo. Okay. Heel. Masachono. Mm hmm. Feud, Dean Malenko vs. Eddie Guerrero in ECW. Cool. Best tag team, Masahu and Kabashi. Most improved, Johnny V. Bad. Oh, okay. Uh, the year before, Diesel won it. Most unimproved, Hulk Hogan. Ah, <laughs> oh, 94 I mean... winner, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Hogan, I think, has a strong run with this particular category until he retires. He does. Most obnoxious, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. 1994. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Best on interviews, Cactus Jack. Nice. Most charismatic, Shawn Michaels. Best technical wrestler, it's Chris Benoit. Uh, Best brawler, Cactus Jack. 1994, Cactus Jack. 1993, 
Cactus Jack. <laughs> uh, best high flyer is Rey Mysterio Jr. Most overrated, Hulk, Hulk Hogan. Hogan. 1994, Hulk, Hulk Hogan. Hogan. 1993, Hulk Hogan. Sid. Oh, Sid. <laughs> oh. Most underrated, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> No, um, most underrated. Is it a WWF wrestler? This is a WWF wrestler. Um, lower card. Low card. My Janae. No, Skip. Chris Skip. Candido. Yeah, that's a yeah. good shout, actually. Best promotion. New Japan Pro New Wrestling. Japan. <laughs> WWF was sixth. WCW were an honorable mention. They didn't make the top ten. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Best weekly show was ECW. Raw was in fifth. Nitro was in sixth. Uh, match of the year was Manami Toyota versus Kyoko Inoue. Rookie of the year was Pera Aguayo Jr. Madra of the year, Jim Cornette. Same in 94, same in 93. Mm. Best announcer, Jerry Styles. Worst announcer, never mind that shit. Here comes Steve McMichael. Aww. But there was, a, there was some other... They were the main, yeah. the full main ones. The other highlights, the worst card of the year was WCW Uncensored. Mm-hmm. The most disgusting promotional tactic was just Mean Gene just lying on the phone. <laughs> worst wrestler was the Renegade. Worst feud was Hogan versus the Dungeon of Doom. Worst promotion was WCW with WWF in fifth. Best gimmick? Bob Ali. Disco Inferno. What? <laughs> Worst gimmick? Gold Dust. Disco Inferno. Wow, bugger off. They're yeah. the way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave. Uh, most embarrassing, Hulk Hogan. God fucking damn it, Dave. Dave. Disco Inferno. No. Best no. gimmick? Fuck off, Dave. Of uh, 1995. I hate Dave for that. Coldest yeah. is the best gimmick of the year. It's the Dave's like, oh, it's the worst. Oh, it's just, what do you know, Dave? It's weird, isn't it? I'd rather just be the natural still. Um, <laughs> I'd prefer that. I'm about to burp now. Just burp into the mic. <laughs> it's all the cookies do. We're fucking rubbish today. Aren't we? we are the best, mate. Oh, oh actually, best. yeah, yeah. The best we've ever done. We're just humble. We're humble. <laughs> We We're going to go upstairs and eat our Viscounts and laugh I, at our bank accounts. I am well humble. <laughs> I am humble from the top of my head down to my massive penis. I've seen it. It's, whoa, it's whopping. Yeah. It's like a baguette. <laughs> <laughs> Should you put meat in it? We've gone off. Am the... I drunk? Am I drunk? I'm not drunk. I don't think I'm drunk. It's... I've had a drink for like three days. You're... I'm going to WWF, WWF tomorrow. This is what I'm in the raw review mindset. I'm going to the WWE tomorrow. You are? Uh, at time of recording. I shall have a pint then. It'll be the first pint I've had in about a week and a half. I'm looking forward to it. And tomorrow night, I'm going to have a beverage because I'm seeing The Room in the cinema. Oh. Yeah. I've got it a clash with the house show because it's been a long time since I've been to a good house show. But yeah, the by, room. By, by the time you watch this, it's all happened. But yeah, you, so basically the office is divided, isn't it? Because yeah. half of us are going to the WWE live event in Newcastle, the other half is going to see uh, a showing of The Room. Yeah. So <laughs> I've got to get a lot of plastic spoons thrown at my head. Um, it's a, it's a, do you know what? Tomorrow's a really busy night in Newcastle in general because you've got the WWE show, you've mm. got The Room showing that you're going to, which looks amazing. Yeah. Um, the Those Conspiracy Guys, the podcast, is at the Clooney. They're doing a live podcast at the Clooney. Oh, bloody hell. They're brilliant. A nice chat with Gordo the other day for the radio, and they're brilliant. And Kareen Bailey Ray is on. I think the O2. I've seen Kareen Bailey Ray. She's lovely. I had a chat with her the other night. Yeah. Yeah, for, for the radio. Me and Kareen had a lovely chat. Yeah. Yeah. Talked about putting, yeah, we are Bessies. Talked yeah. about yeah, put your records on and all that. Yeah. Her big hit. Because when that came out, I was working at HMV, stacking shelves. 
And one of my first, one of the first times I was allowed the honor of, of doing the chart wall. The honor, the pain, the arse of doing the chart wall. I was, it was treated as like a great badge of honor. Do the chart wall on Sunday. And it was the week that Kareem Bailey Ray went number one oh, with her debut album. So I got to tell her that. And I was like, she's like, oh, I love that. That's cool. I used to hate doing the chart wall in 18th yeah. yeah. I liked doing the chart wall. We had an upstairs and a downstairs chart wall. That was the thing. Which was the upstairs. So what was, so downstairs, where was the front door? On there the upstairs or the downstairs? Both. Okay, so it was like a multi-level thing. Yeah. Which was the high street level? Upstairs. So I reckon your upstairs had the chart wall, like the main, like, main, pop chart yeah, wall yeah, was yeah. upstairs then. Yeah. Because they want that off the high street normally. Yeah. And then downstairs, you would have had either DVD chart or specialist chart. No, another normal chart and Just DVD chart. Oh, both. really? Yeah, oh, so you had two, two chart walls. Get, well, it was the uh, Liverpool One HMV, which at the time was one of the the main flagship one. So they were just like, two charts, two charts, two charts. And when we didn't have enough stock, we were just like, we don't got enough stock. That's it. Yeah. So if I remember Liverpool one, because you had like the street level mm. and then you had like a walkway that was built that was near a world buffet. Yes. So you're yeah. around there. It was, I don't know whether we talked about it I and mean, we must have done because we've done, we've done so much chatting about stuff, but I know that um, Everton had a club shop they still do, and and this is this, and I know as a Liverpool fan, this is dirty talk. It, it, it but was a hat off. To, it was have, a hat yeah. off. Yeah, you've got to tip the hat. Everton, Liverpool's arch rivals in the soccer, um, they opened a club shop in the in the in the Liverpool shopping centre called Liverpool One. So the shopping centre is called Liverpool One. So Everton called their club shop Everton Two. So therefore, the address would always read Everton Two, Liverpool One. Like. I, I admire that. Yeah. I admire as much as it pains you. I'm sure you but, have tipped the hat to it, as you say. Well, we we went over two legs because they opened the main <laughs> club shop by the ground, and that's Everton one. But I think the postcode there is like Liverpool eighteen. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so <laughs> I think the postcode has changed there to Liverpool are the best, and you're shit. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, where were we? So those are the awards. Those are the awards. We've got, we've got a couple of tidbits of news. Oh, go for it. So last week we were talking about, obviously we've got the, after this episode of Raw, this is the go home for the Royal Rumble. So we've got a, another lovely yes. watch along. Yes, so a watch along is forthcoming next week, I think. Yeah, it is. Wow. We're going to get together and watch Royal Rumble 1996. I can't wait. I can't wait. Love the Rumble. Oh. Love the Rumble. So we, I mentioned last week that Sabu was like, oh, get me in the Rumble. Mm. And Paul Heyman said, you're not going in the fucking Rumble. <laughs> and they're like, all right. So, according to Dave, the situation with Sabu in the Rumble got even stranger and left the WWF totally frustrated by the end of the week. Okay. It was presumed to be a dead deal after Heyman said, no, 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 no. Uh, Sabu had initially had friends contact JJ Dillon at WWF. WWF agreed to use Sabu initially, presumably for the same $5,000 figure they were offering other outsiders for one shot. Mm-hmm. Earlier in the week, Sabu was convinced by friends and business acquaintances, including NWA promoter Dennis Coraluzzo, who hates Paul Heyman because of Shane Douglas throwing down the belt. So Dennis Coraluzzo said to Sabu, don't listen to Paul Heyman. Do, do the rumble. Fuck it, do the rumble. It's you, you're Sabu. You're in ring career. It's, you know, everyone's in ring career. It's a fleeting thing. So do it. Take the money. And he went, all right, yeah. Instead of Sabu making the call to WWF saying we're back on, he got his uncle, the Sheik, to do it. <laughs> he at first said no to the WWF, and later in the week, after being offered a booking payoff rumored to be three grand from Bruce Pritchard, which may have included him accompanying Sabu to the ring, although it's not clear, 
Uh, yeah, he changed his tune. He went, oh, if I'm getting free ground, yeah, Sabu will do it. <laughs> WWF then taped Royal Rumble promos with Sabu's name being part of the show during the latter part of the week. And WWF announced on his hotline that Sabu from ECW would be in the Rumble. Bruce Pritchard then offered Heyman several WWF wrestlers to work ECW in exchange for using Sabu. Heyman said, no, you're not having Sabu. I'm not having your wrestlers. Wow. I don't want any of my people on pay-per-view. So Heyman said to Sabu, you're not doing it. And Sabu went, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not doing it. So apparently what had happened was, because this is when Heyman's trying to negotiate for pay-per-view, barely legal. He thinks it's going to be the next step to take ECW to the next step. He'd promised those willing to put him on pay-per-view that he would have entirely different performers than WWF and WCW. So he said, you won't see anyone from those things. It's all ECW talent. Right. Such ECW homegrown names as Shane Douglas and Terry Funk. Um, <laughs> and he he wanted to avoid the perception of being a minor league feeder system to WWF. Right. I mean, you are. You are, but the people don't know it. Yeah. How strange. Yeah. I just think it's, it's a... I think when we, we we touched on this briefly last week, and I think that there is something in it, in the sense that when you hand over your talent to the WWF, you're kind of at the whims of WWF. And if you're presenting Sabu as part of your big main event for your pay-per-view, and if Sabu gets fucking hoied out by Sparky Plug, yeah, like... He looks shite. He looks shit. Yeah. Unless you have some sort of deal in place that says, this is how we want Sabu to enter the Rumble, for how long, and how he leaves. And like, this is a contract that says this is exactly how it will go down. No more, no less. But I doubt that kind of deal was struck. Well, apparently the, the, they said that <clears throat> Sabu would exit and Sabu could bring his own table for this by basically throwing someone out and then diving over the top and then through a table and saying, oh, he doesn't ah. know he's a madman, etc." So eliminating himself in the yeah. process. That wouldn't have been bad, actually. It wouldn't have been bad, but at the same time, they say this to him, and then he could get there, and like you said, they'd be like, nope, Bob Sparkle, Holly's going to throw you over the top. Yeah. So. That's their plans changed, brother. Well, it wasn't a good week for Paul Heyman, because he was threatening to sue WCW. Oh, wow. Hotline. Terry Taylor said the ECW champion was a drug addict. And Paul Heyman was like, he's fucking not. <laughs> I googled who the ECW champion was. It was Raven. Oh. Moving on. Dan Severin was at <laughs> Dan Severin was at the WCW offices on the 11th of January. He was offered no specific role or concrete amount of money, but WCW expressed interest in him. And this comes after oh. WWF was saying to Dan Severin, come in. And he was like, ah, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know. So WCW have got wind of it. And like, Dan Severin, come in. And he's like, ah. Is it more because WWF are going, hey, come over here? More That's likely. probably what it more is, isn't it? More likely, yeah. You know, there's another little bit of Dan Severin news that I think I picked up that, that you didn't clock. Oh, yeah. And I lo I just want to share this Go on. quick. Hit me, hit me um, some Severin. So, um, Dave in The Observer, this is, this, is, this is from a few days before. The biggest crowd for an indie show in a long time took place in Battle Creek, Michigan, for a show billed as a shoot fighting rather than pro wrestling event promoted by Kit Likens, who's an area kickboxer and held in conjunction with martial arts seminars conducted by... Dan Severin, Ken Shamrock, Oleg Ta Ta Taktarov, and I love this because it's Battle Creek, Michigan, because there's there's a, there's a wrestling element to it. Uh, shoot seminar also conducted by Ron Van Cleef. <laughs> you got me there. I actually thought you were going to say Ron Van Cleef. Um, 
<laughs> in Battle Creek, Michigan. Anyway, it drew about 3,000 fans, $20 a ticket. That's, That's a good, Gate. Nice bit of Gate, that. Main event is all we care about. Shoot fighting main event. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, for the WKC World Heavyweight title, it's Dan Severn versus D'Lo Brown in a steel cage match. Um, You're looking at the real deal now. Don't <laughs> get more. You're looking at the shoot deal now. <laughs> Severn tackled Brown so hard into the cage that it collapsed. And some of the wrestlers had to hold the cage in place for the rest of the match. Both that match and a match with pro wrestlers that included Kayser Kalman Jr. and Scott Damore were worked shoot fat fights with the latter stealing the show. Scott Damore had the best match of the night. I'm surprised that the Severin D'Lo Brown collapsing cage match didn't win that, to be honest with you. I fucking love wrestling. Wrestling's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? It's Wrestling's amazing. absolutely amazing. So what a week for Dan Severin. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> this is even before D'Lo Brown is even the real deal now. Because yeah. he hasn't debuted in the WWE. No, he hasn't, yet. No. I think he might have been on a superstars as AC Connor. Oh, yeah, more than likely. But he won't come in, what, early 97, late 96? He will come in as part of the nation, but not really a named part of the nation. He's just a bow tie wearing. Yeah, he was a, he was a big set bow tie boy. Yeah. Um, I love D'Lo Brown. I was always a big oh, D-Lo fan. He was great. He was in uh, Wigan the other night. Oh, Grimsby. And Liverpool. He's been doing uh, He's been doing the rounds. He's been doing the rounds a little bit. And he, had a, he had a curry in Grimsby. Oh, he had fish and chips somewhere as well, didn't he? Yeah. I, li- I like that, that all these companies are just taking pictures of D-Lo having his dinner. <laughs> I was like, is that D-Lo Brown? I was like, yeah, he's having a scram. It's like, D-Lo, can we take a picture of you? And he's like, yeah. <sighs> all right, man. <laughs> you're, looking at, you're looking at the real meal now. Whoa. <laughs> going to keep your sorry ass out on the street. Oh. What if he... <laughs> Oh, oh! Do you know we haven't got time to take you to a restaurant? Just pop in this Tesco, get a sandwich, get a bag of crisps, get a drink. What would he say? You're looking at the meal deal now. Say it a bit louder for the people at the back. You're looking at the meal deal now. <laughs> <laughs> As soon as, you, <laughs> as soon as you said Tesco, I went, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. WCW. <laughs> All wrestlers now what have to leave thing. title belts <clears throat> with WCW company officials after television tapings rather than carrying the belts with them. Why? The paranoid after they had Medusa throw a title in the bin. They're just like... <laughs> It's like, nah, fucking give Big Goldie back. Did you be paranoid after the fact Ric Flair took Big Goldie to WWF in 92? Oh, you would have thought so, wouldn't you? 91? I would be... Uh, no, it was 91, wasn't it? No, It was 91 because the 91, Rumble was 92. You won yeah. the 92 Rumble. I'd be, I'd be happy with that rule. I'd be paranoid taking the belt with me places. Yeah. When I started here, I took the Cultaholic Championship on a UK tour, and I felt very paranoid carrying that around. <laughs> Like, like, if I drop this, if I break this, this is like my, I'm barely in the, I've not even properly signed a contract with this company <laughs> yet. And I'm carrying around their championship, like visiting friends in Shrewsbury and Wolverhampton with the belt and stuff. Were you, were you wearing the title underneath your blazer jacket like Vince McMahon? Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. What was lovely was, like, I, I genuinely, and I, and I, and you know, it wasn't a work, by the way. It wasn't kayfabe. I shoot, took the belt everywhere I went for about a month. And I had it in my rucksack, which was great because the one day I was just walking across the high-level bridge in Newcastle and somebody stopped me and went, are you Tom Campbell? And I went, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've been seeing you on Cultaholic. I said, do you want to fight with the belt? I've got it. <laughs> and then, You've really got it. I said, yeah, take it with me everywhere. So I kept the, you know, Wonderful. Kept, kept the dream alive. Yeah. Fight with the belt on the bridge. <laughs> and that fan <laughs> went is... on to be Ken Shamrock. <laughs> If it wasn't for you, he wouldn't have won the UFC Superfight Tournament in 1994. <laughs> he wouldn't have gone back in time. He wouldn't know. And won the tournament. He'd gone to have a very successful career as Drew McIntyre. <laughs> Once a three kid has been in physical therapy for a hip injury and missed the entire last tour, but will be back for the Rumble. Right, so this leads into last week when we were laughing at the fact that Sid did the job for Bob Holly. Yes! Right, so Sid suffered a neck injury on December 9th, and it got progressively worse. After the Nassau Coliseum show, he was pulled from the semi-main and moved to a prelim match in New Haven, where he was asked to put over his friend, Bob Holly, which he did, and then he left. Are they mates? Apparently. Oh, that's lovely. The boys all, brackets all many, came to the conclusion that Sid's injury was a work, and he left over being asked to put Holly over in you know, these prelim matches. He's supposed to be out of action for eight weeks. There may have been contact with WCW, either from him or from WCW, also believing that he was gone from WWF, with the possibility of bringing Sid back once again to WCW. Uh. But because of past problems, WCW decided not to pursue the situation. Because... He's, he's a bit mental at times, Sid, isn't he? He's a bit psycho. He's a bit of a loose cannon. He's not a loose cannon. No, no that's, a very, that's a very different man. So no Sid and the Kid for a bit. No Sid and the Kid. But arguably, the Million Dollar Corporation, as we'll see on Raw, has never been better. No, definitely not. Now it's down to one man. <laughs> and the right man. <laughs> to Tonka. Let's go down. Uh, one last little bit before we get into the lovely go home that is Raw. And we were chatting a little bit about this, that Raw... Raw, WWF slash Titan, as Dave always likes to put it. He always calls him Titan. Titan mm. got an item planted in the gossip section of New York Daily News on January 15th and alluded to it on Raw. It read, 
Ted Turner is ready to get into the ring with WWF honcho Vince McMahon, say sources. We hear Turner, the owner of the rival World Championship Wrestling, CNN, and the Atlanta Braves, wants to scalp McMahon because the WWF has parodied him sketches using a tall, thin, mustachioid <coughs> man with a silly-sounding southern drawl named Billionaire Ted. Turner, who needs this little wrestling outfit like we need a Nehru jacket, don't know what that is, wasn't mad because one skit implied his wrestlers used steroids. Rather, say sources, he was angered because he was portrayed as a hillbilly with a bad suit and the Ted's a little sensitive. <laughs> Added a sort, billionaire Ted doesn't like billionaire Ted and wants the feud to end. Expect a Bischoff response to the item in the paper this week. Uh, I love that, though. Just ahead of Raw, they just go, we're doing it because we're worried about them and then yeah. But I, I was laughing at it. I was like, oh, Ted Turner's ready to get into the ring with Vince McMahon. And Vince McMahon's like, yeah, Ted, you won't face me. <laughs> Cut to a year later, Eric Bischoff every week on Nitro. Vince McMahon, I'm going to kick you in the head. <laughs> you get here and I'll kick you in the head. Come here. I've let, we're having a match. At, it was a slamboree. I'm going to kick you in the head. You fanny. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. And suddenly Vince McMahon is like, we're just a mum and pop oh, company. Oh, we're, we're so Do you know who Vince McMahon is? Right? In the video game canon. Right? You know Mario? You know the Mario games? Yes. Vince McMahon is boo. <laughs> when his back's turned, he's like, ah! You look at him, he's like, no, I'm shy. I'm shy. Oh, and then he's saying, around, he's like, no, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Um, yeah. WWF stars were on the telly this week before yeah. Raw. Um, Shawn Michaels was on the Jenny Jones show. Great. Uh, where a wrestling fanatic was a guest and got to meet his favorite wrestler. Uh, and this was also the week where Razor Ramon appeared on Jerry Springer. Oh. So there was a famous episode of Jerry Springer with, um, with two kids uh, who had been, I believe that was it. Um, they had uh, uh, Hydea and Tyler who were young kids living with HIV slash AIDS. And they brought them on Jerry Springer to talk about it and their experiences. And they they said that, you know, we're wrestling fans. And lo and behold, they bring out Razor Ramon, complete wearing the Intercontinental title as a surprise guest for them. Oh, that's nice. It's a lovely little bit of good PR for the yeah. WWF this week. And it's you know, a nice thing to do. I know I don't want to make it sound as cold and callous as it was good PR. Um Kind of was, yeah. Um, but it was, but that, but so when when Razor passed uh, a little while, but a few about a month or so back, uh, I saw clips of this doing the rounds again. And it okay. was just a cool little moment from from nineties television of Razor Ramon appearing on an episode of Jerry Springer that wasn't completely awful. Is this before Jerry the Jerry Springer show went off the deep end? It was it was starting to go that way. Yeah. Um it would re they'd really kick it into gear in like 97, 98. Basically Jerry Springer's attitude era is round the corner. This is the new generation era of the Jerry Springer show. It's it's mad looking back on it and just forgetting how big the Jerry Springer show was. Oh yeah, it was massive. Massive. Yeah. It's a piece of history that is. Yeah. I remember when I was in New York in 2010, they were taping an episode of Jerry Springer live in Times Square, oh, where they were just having Jerry doing cut-ins for like the best of clips and stuff. But that was a really cool moment just to see Jerry, like Jerry up on like everybody chatting Jerry. And it was even weirder because I felt a tap on my shoulder. I turned around and it was a girl that I went to college with. Fucking hell. Yeah. And we dated for like about three months. And like she, she was like, in New York. <laughs> In New York, it was the weirdest thing. And every year when that picture comes up in my timeline, I go, do you remember that? Wasn't that weird? 
weird. Oh. Anyway, cheers. Uh, so that happened in this week as well. Uh, Razor and Mums on the Jerry Springer show. Very nice. Mm. Anyway, let us get into the rigors of Monday Night Raw mm. for January the 15th, 1996. Um, we get a short video acknowledging Martin Luther King Day, but without saying Martin Luther King Day. No. Like we we know you know who this you know who I am but you don't know why I'm here. Uh, a weird little bit just to kind of acknowledge it without acknowledging it. Very strange. We then get a, a thing a logo on the screen saying viewer discretion is advised. I saw that and thought, here we fucking go. Mm, that's never happened on Raw before, has it? So you saying that makes me realise yeah. this has not happened on no, Raw. No, this before. hasn't because Raw's been tame until like mm. the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and they, and uh, and there's a few things that maybe suggest there might be your discretion advised. Yeah, uh, we'll, which we'll touch on uh, tonight. The Undertaker will battle Isaac Yankum, DDS, and Goldust will speak about his feelings towards Razor Ramon, or will he? After Goldust showed off a heart-shaped Razor tattoo on superstars, a match was set between the two for Sunday's Royal Rumble. And Goldust will talk about it later on tonight. That is the the the, the table is set for Raw. Uh, we've now officially got the, the old music properly back, yeah. which is so much better than... I know it was back, it was the bat last week, but it's so much better than that. I, I like it, Raw. Oh, the I like it, Raw, I re-listened to it again recently, and it's it's odd. And then I remembered how much Vince apparently spent on that intro to use it for two months. <laughs> but I did like the... It's a Jim Johnston classic, that pulsating beat. Yeah, I had nostalgia for that track because i remember when it was un- unleashed i went oh the classic raw theme and you looked at me and went what do you mean classic raw i don't know if it was on a game or something and i've just it, it was just unlocked because i didn't realize that it was only around for a couple of weeks i never really remembered it as the classic raw theme for me like the classic raw theme when i think of when you describe the classic raw theme it's, the, it's this one now yeah yeah i have no real recollection of i like it raw but again, I was a lapsed fan at this point, so I oh, was yeah, me too. wasn't wasn't I, deeply into it. I just can't wait until the fucking raw theme comes, which I still oh. listen to. So I still listen to the full <laughs> version sometimes, and just start just choke slamming the cart. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> have it as an alarm. Oh god, oh god, there'd just be a path of destruction. I just <laughs> bound out of bed and straight through a window, just in the garden, throttling wood pigeons, just like get out of here, little fucker. <laughs> I tried and I tried a new alarm this morning and it didn't go down well because my alarm normally goes off at about quarter to five. Ooh. Um, <laughs> ew! I like being up early, uh, but but what I'll sometimes do is I'll have an alarm on my Fitbit, which I'm not wearing today, uh, but because it wasn't charged. I was like, oh, I'll just put it on my phone; it'd be fine. Anyway, I thought, oh, I'll have that as a ringtone, as an alarm tone, and uh, it did not go down well. Let me find it. <laughs> I don't know why Alex didn't want to, didn't like waking up to this. Turn that fucking thing off. <laughs> it's too fucking early for this bullshit. Turn it off right now. I don't know why she didn't like it. I'd be like, oh, is it time to go bowling? <laughs> AC. Um, Every day is bowling time. <laughs> My- it used to be. <laughs> There's a video that does the rounds every so often. Of like it's a CG animation of a of a bowling pin, like reading bad news in the paper, and like just going to work and being depressed. 
and then and then something happens and, and, and he, he passes away and you see his body on the ground and it zooms out and then the words strike appear. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a like like it's a bowling alley graphic. I love bowling alley graphics, they're so good. Who makes them? A fucking artist. <laughs> if you make them, please reach out. We'd like to thank you. It was the Bauhaus movement in the nineteen twenties Germany. They were just like, Do you know what? Bowling alley graphics. This is going to be our bread and butter. <laughs> Get this, lads. Bowling alley graphics. Marty Gennetti versus Owen Hart is our opening match. Fast-paced, liquid wrestling from the off between these two. They are beautiful together. Yes. Uh, during, during the match, Jerry Lawler on commentary says he has a hot flash about why Razor Ramon is currently heading towards the arena. To inform Goldust, he's enrolled in the Panty of the Month Club. <laughs> Uh, hot flash, he says. Yeah, uh, he has a hot flash, apparently. But the panty of the month, and even Vince goes, "What the fuck's the panty of the month?" <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, it's like fruit of the month." It's like, "Fuck off, Jerry!" It's like that doesn't even mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's put that in his head. He's clearly thought of that on the side. He's like, "Panty of the month, like fruit of the month." Okay, okay. And he said it and thought, "Oh shit, I haven't actually, you know, like workshop this or find this through. Just just hoy it out into the world." Owen is busting out the suplexes in this one: an overhead suplex, a gut wrench suplex, a regular suplex, all of them. Janetti's firing back with a diamond dust. And yep. once again, thank you, Jer- thank you to Marty Janetti for keeping the dream alive of one of my favorite wrestling moves. <laughs> uh, and a rebound power slam to get him back into it. Janetti goes for the top rope, changes his mind, gets down, and clotheslines Owen over the top instead. That was a strange moment. I liked that. Yeah. It showed ring generalship because, like, nice. Owen was on the floor. Janetti gets the top ropes. Owen gets up, and he's clearly out of the way. So. Marty, rather than standing there like a dick, waiting for him to, you know, get in position for the spot, improvises, jumps down, close lines him out. No problem with that. Fair. Yeah. Fair, okay. Uh, Hart will get back into the ring and win with a go-behind wheelbarrow cradle. I think there's a... I pray there is a better it's name clear. for it. Yeah, but... But so, like... Like, so basically, he gets into the ring, he does the go behind as if he's going for a German. Yeah. And he ends up, uh, like, scooping Jeanette's legs. So he flips and lands on his back. So... Ginetti's the top of Ginetti's head is facing is like pointing towards Owen's shins. He's basically looking at his balls. Mm. So Owen grabs his balls, grabs uh. his legs. Looks like he's gonna like twist it into a sharpshooter. Yeah, it looked like it was gonna be a sharpshooter, didn't yeah. it? But then he rolled through and crates. So then he was on his back as well. Yeah, pulling back on his legs, potentially like almost close to having his own shoulders to the mat as yeah. well. But it didn't happen that way. The ref counted Janetti's shoulders down. Owen got a three clean as a whistle. I really like this. Good opener. Match. Good chemistry. And I've put the with it being a win out of nowhere rather than a sharpshooter or a defensive win, it does protect Marty a little heading into the rumble whilst making Owen look strong, makes him look like unpredictable. It's like this is how good Owen Hart is. He can just get one out of out of the bag. Yeah. So Great booking. Because the big talking point was like both these guys are in the Rumble. Yeah. You know, or could either of these guys head to the, head to WrestleMania? And so, uh, so everything is focused on the Rumble. Yeah. Every story is laser focused on the Rumble. Todd Pettingill is here to plug the Rumble for this Sunday. He's got big news. Bigger than Waterfall with TLC and One Eye Lopez or whatever that is. That made him sound ignorant rather than cool. Yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah. it made him, like, I, I, don't, I don't get why you go, huh, popular music. What's that? 
rubbish. He is, of course, referring to TLC winning Video of the Year for Waterfall at the MTV Music Awards, also at the Grammys winning Best R&B Album and Best R&B Performance of the Year for Creep. So I creep, yeah, creeping on the down low. We sing that to Pablo quite a lot. Because he's a creep. Because like, he'll just stare at you from a distance. And like, or like walk very slowly towards you. Yeah. I said, we'll just start going, so I creep. Yeah. yeah. Creeping on the download. Or you'd be in bed and like you'll see, like he's very far away in the hallway, but you can just see his little head poking around, like from a distance. What are you doing? Why are you, why are you over there? Little creep. Little yeah. pervy creep. <laughs> or some mornings, or like some mornings where I've just woken up and I've just looked to my side of the bed near my bedside table and he sat like next to my bedside table just staring at me. Like, you all right, mate? Oh, good, you're up. Come on. <laughs> was he ready for some Wii Sports this morning? He was. He he wasn't in the room for Wii Sports. Sadly, <laughs> no. uh, he was. When I when that went off, he was uh, he was curled up on the sofa when I, when that went off. And I went in the bed into the living room this morning, and he was just like, Meh. "What a lovely lad." He's a lovely. He is a lovely lad. He's a dirty liar though, because <laughs> um, I came home. Alex had the day off yesterday, and I came home. And he came straight up to me as I was stood in the kitchen. Just looked straight up and went, and went and stood next to his bowl that was empty. And Alex went, I fed him an hour ago. (laughs) (laughs) You little liar. (laughs) He's like, You're just like, bugger off. Yeah, I like it. He's a chancer. Go do your homework. (laughs) He's a chancer. He's like, I am so hungry. Father, I die. I die of the hunger. And Alex's like, I fed him an hour ago. <laughs> oh, Father, she starved me. <laughs> ah, fuck you both then. <laughs> Little bastard. I love him to bits. Um, yeah, so that's so. So the, the, the big thing that he's excited about is the brand new WWF program. The WWF Free For All, a 30-minute free event that will be on the pay-per-view channel before the pay-per-view actually starts. I'm surprised they weren't doing this at this point. So am I, actually. I thought it was a regular thing. Maybe they had, like, little, like, Action Zone style, like, talking up the show. Yeah. But they're bigging this up as, like, the cameras are going live on the arena 30 minutes before the show. We've even got a match for you, which you can watch before the show starts. And the match they announce on the free-for-all will see... So basically, everybody is getting numbers for the Rumble, but two wrestlers will get blanks like Scrabble, where you get a blank it's worth eight points. Um, and what happens with those two is they will wrestle on the free-for-all. The winner will get number 30 in the Rumble, and the loser will get number one. That is... this. Hands down, my favorite Rumble-themed gimmick match. Yes. I love that. When they do winner gets number one, loser gets... No, winner gets number 30, loser gets number one. It's... It, it kind of reminds me of like when we were just having idle chat in the office, like we often do. And we're mm. saying a way to make what they should do to make some of the <clears throat> events seem important again. Because obviously, Rumble leads to Mania, mm-hmm. and that's about it. And I was saying that they should bring back the old thing where the winner of the King of the Ring gets the main event at SummerSlam, just to yeah. try and bring everything from <clears throat> circular. And I suggested that they should have a a survivor for Survivor Series, some kind of match where whoever wins the Survivor Series gets the number thirty spot in the Royal Rumble. Nice. So then you build them from Survivor <clears throat> Series to Rumble to Mania. So you got like a, a like a thread that runs through them yeah. all. So, I like that. Yeah. I do like that. Or maybe like the, the, maybe a team. At Survivor Series, if whichever team wins go into the Rumble, the losers don't. 
Yeah. It's all about just finding purpose for Survivor Series that isn't just who's got the best colored shirt, yeah. red or blue. I hate that. Because they all work for the same company and, you know, the fans. The, the, I don't think there's going to be that many fans out there who are just like, fucking love Raw, never mm. watch SmackDown, it's shit. It's like, no, you just, you're a WWE Exactly. You watch both. And Survivor Series, you can have so much, you, you can be creative with that format yeah. of building a team. You know, I like, the, I like it when you've got like a, a championship feud which rolls over into Survivor Series where like the challenger and the champion will pick a team. Yeah. And then, and then a future title situation depends on it. I love the idea of uh, you know getting the heavyweight, like the men's heavyweight division, and having them build teams of like who they think they should stand with. Like the idea of you know Roman Reigns going, I don't trust anybody outside the Usos, and maybe Solo Sokoa get him a stable boy, and then <laughs> Drew going, right, Bobby Lashley, we hate each other, but you, you're probably the best at ad- tackling him. Get on my team, and then yeah. there's that extra little element of. Well, they get on. I used, to, I used to really like Survivor Series for that. And especially when all the teams would be thematic. Yeah, like, when they all had names. Yes. Yes. Name the teams, you cowards. Fucking. It's, wrestling's easy. It is so easy. Oh, my God. Wrestling's so easy. Oh. Annoys me when people don't get that. Um, we hear from Diesel, who's upset with people saying Shawn Michaels or Vader are winning the Rumble. Set your clocks. It'll be Diesel time at the Rumble. Oof. Uh, we then get a new vignette for Vader from the Rocky Mountains in Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> I, I can't believe how much they were pushing Vader Fucking in the yeah. of the Rumble. Yeah. Like genuinely presenting him as a force of nature. And I love it. I just, I, again, I was a lapsed fan at this point. And I know Vader's run was, um, you know, it had its moments. It had its hot flashes, but it was mostly tepid. Yeah. Uh, but the, they couldn't have done any more in terms of making him out to, a, to be a viable threat in the Rumble itself. And as we'll see in the, his first couple of weeks, fuck me. Yeah, they do a lot with him. They it's do a lot with him. I'm looking forward to seeing how they book him in the Rumble. Yeah. And and the, until Shawn Michaels shits himself at SummerSlam. <laughs> Over to Doc Hendricks, who's hanging around in the hallways of the arena still. He's been there all night, saying that Razor Ramon is on his way to the arena to get a piece of gold dust. This is maybe the third time we've cut to Doc Hendricks in an empty hallway, waiting for Razor Ramon to arrive. He is there specifically to grab a chat with Razor when Razor gets there. I want to put a pin in that. We'll put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. This isn't the first or the last time we'll see Doc Hendricks tonight. No. Sonny is playing pool in a sexy way. She says, you like it. I like it. Everybody likes it. Raw. She says, as in the show, she doesn't like raw. Um, Sexy pool from Sonny. She was a sexy pool playing woman. She was. Um, They're going more overt here. Yeah. Like you're saying... Like we say every week, there's a sea change coming. Mm-hmm. We're just getting little, mm-hmm. little ripples. True crime featuring Tammy Sitch currently on youtube.com slash yeah. If you want to see how all that worked out. <laughs> <laughs> the ringmaster makes his way to the ring. Good hand. Ted DiBiase, a good hand in the mid-fucking-card. And his first... Now, this is a great trivia question. His first opponent... In his WWF career, the first televised opponent in his WWF career is an enhancement talent by the name of Matt Hardy. As in, that Matt Hardy. Is this the real version one? 
if this is the version one of Matt Hardy. Gosh, this is this is uh, Matt Hardy NT. I think. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is this is this is Matt Hardy sixty four. He looks older there than he does now. Isn't it weird? Yeah, T- isn't nutrition a weird one? He's got <laughs> fashion and nutrition. <laughs> he's got no tan. He's got short, slick backed ha- hair. Mm-hmm. He's got lovely electric blue tights. What's funny is is that like these two will will find each other again. I do believe in two thousand and one. Um, uh, when Steve Austin is a badun, uh, we're just getting in. Funny enough, we are just getting into uh, the Steve Austin heel run on the classic SmackDown review. And I believe on this week's episode, or, or the one we've just had, we talked about Steve Austin's running with the Hardys and how Steve Austin and Triple H are, are beating up the Hardys. So it's just funny how all these years on, Matt Hardy is still seen as, yeah, you're not beating Steve Austin. <laughs> Despite the fact your careers have gone in a multitude of different ways. Well, I, still I, not beating Steve Austin. I'm one of those gimps who still watches Being the Elite, mainly to see if we can get anything out of it for the news <laughs> site. But this on this week when we're recording Being the Elite, it's just the Hardy boys saying, telling the Young Bucks, the Young Bucks have been like, oh, we lost to FDR. And Hardy's like... We lost to everyone. We lost to the smoking guns. We lost to the two-man power trip. And Jeff Hardy just keeps going, we lost to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> They're just naming every team they lost to. So that's nice that they named up the two-man power trip. Yeah. Brilliant. So there you go. This is where the one-man power trip's in action. And they did, the, and they go, we lost to Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. And Jeff Hardy goes, Paul Heyman pinned me. He booked himself to win. <laughs> So, that's ace yeah it's good oh and it's and it's so it's so so apropos for this so the ringmaster with Ted DiBiase takes on Matt Hardy his first in-ring action Vince McMahon really put it over the ringmaster on commentary Austin does some headlock takedowns Hardy gets a two count early on first pinfall attempt goes to Matt Hardy uh, an irate ringmaster stops Hardy's momentum with uh, a move yet unnamed uh, but it looks like it was inspired by Lou Thez's former finisher. Oh. Uh, where he would press the guy. It, it didn't quite look like piston right right hands, but there were definitely some right hands there in there. There were some right hands in yeah. there. And it was, this was the, the first sighting of a Lou Thez press in the WWF. Um, Austin hangs Hardy in the shattered dreams position and unloads with punches. Yeah. Strange move. Yeah, because I thought, is he just going to kick him in the dick and get DQ in his first match? <laughs> Ted loved this, though. He was the ringside going, ah, He's great, Ted DB. What a lovely time I'm having watching you do the wrestles. Uh, Hardy gets a few flourishes. Austin shuts them down constantly. Austin finishes him off with the stun gun and the million-dollar dream for the tap out. This is the best the Million Dollar Corporation has ever looked. I thought it was it was really weird seeing proto-Austin moves. Mm. So like you said, the, the Luthez press is in there. He does the thing where he goes to, where he's got them hung over the second rope and he runs to do the leg thing, but Matt Hardy moves. He even and, does the old uh, elbow. Well, no, he, he does it as like a, a wiggly elbow. He does it as a knee. Because ah. I rewound, I thought, oh, is that the... Because, you know, the usual does all that and then into the elbow. He does all the setup without the middle fingers, but he hits a knee instead. Oh, I thought it was an elbow. No, I must have half-watched it. Because I was looking at it thinking, ooh, that's, that's an odd ah. one. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, it's, yeah, proto-Steve Austin yeah. moves. Like, they're there, but they're not quite there, And he's cool. He pasted the shit out of my Hardy in this. Oh, he did. He You're lit him right up with sure. some chops. Vince tells us that Ringmaster is going to be on America Online next week. I have looked high and low for this AOL chat, and I'm yet to find it. I am desperate to find it. It was, it was now. There's now Steve Austin did do an AOL chat in June of '96, and I've got that. 
That's in the back pocket for when we need it. But he did one in January, apparently, that I'm keen to track down. In June 96, is he a bit more liberal with his swearing? I take this it. is Steve Austin in yeah. 96. But this is, I want to hear how ring the ringmaster <laughs> hosted an AOL chat in 1996. Fucking page master. <laughs> <laughs> we get a big Shawn Michaels video package next. He's brilliant and brave. But he had, he had to take stock when he was jumped by nine thugs in nine. Syracuse. Has the number gone up again? I think it has, not it? Yeah. It just keeps creeping up. He came close to retirement, but decided to say, screw it, and end the Royal Rumble instead. Cue instrumental version of Tell Me a Lie. Michael says he's been given a second chance, despite the fact that he's doing it against doctor's orders. So nobody has said, you have a second chance. They've all said, fucking retire, mate, you're paggered. And he's, <laughs> I've got a second chance. No, like, if you broke your leg and we're told you'd never run again, right? And your leg's in a cast. If you jumped out the hospital window and started running on your cast, that's not a second chance at running. That's you going against doctor's orders. <laughs> you haven't been given a second chance because if the doctors have said you've, you've been lucky and you've got a clean bill of health, fill your boots, then uh, you can go, yeah. a second chance. No, you're, you've, you say in the press conference, you're defying friends, family, and medical professionals' orders to get back into the wrestling game. It's not a second chance, mate. He's just a sexy boy, isn't he? He's just a sexy boy and a boy toy. He's an innocent boy. Uh, he did look like a little boy, though. Did you notice it at the end? So they had this interview <laughs> bit at the end where he's talking to the camera. He's got a suit on and a shirt and a weird parting in his hair. I've written here, and you, you'll, you'll vibe with this. He looks like Kevin from Harry Enfield going for a job interview. <laughs> He fucking did. He looked awful. He looked fucking awful. Because he's got his hair tied back, but he's you know he's keeping it you know loose at the front because he's he's a sexy boy. <laughs> that he's, parting. He's, oh, it's, it's awful. Christ, it's like he's letting traffic through. It's just <laughs> weird. Like I like nineties has a lot to answer for in terms of fashion and nutrition. And thing is, Michael's put that outfit on. And I get it's the 90s, but someone looked at that and went, yeah, that's fine. Hmm. But I guess in the 90s it was. You watch Friends, early episodes of Friends, and they all like, they sort of fell out of a props cupboard. But <laughs> it's, it's also what I've heard about with Shawn Michaels. That, he's um, a shit dresser. He's apparently so. That went after he retired and he started wearing like gun hats and like a vest with a tie and like four hairs sticking out of the top of his head. It's like, oh yeah, because he doesn't have a stylist anymore. <laughs> My style is whatever I want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is Vince sort of trying to dress Shawn Michaels to become a champion. Yeah, because again, like Vince is like a champion should be well dressed and presentable. And da -da 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 -da. I wouldn't have minded if he just won like <laughs> like a baseball cap and yeah. an Onslow vest. <laughs> Onslow, <laughs> Onslow for world champion. <laughs> Sitting there in his fucking fag-stained couch, covered in empty tinnies, just like, yeah. Onslow from Keeping Up Appearance, by the way, if you're not too sure about it. And if you do need an extra guide, John! Onslow is WWF oh. champion. I want the winged eagle belt on him, please. Oh, yes, please, John. The best belts. Uh, Shawn Michaels coming back at the Rumble. He's going to outlast 29 stars again, which he did in 95, and win the whole thing. A second chance. Not a second chance, mate. You're going against doctor's orders. Right. What was the point in this? We come back and there's a match in progress. Oh. It's the Smoking Guns versus the Spiders. Do we know who the Spiders are? We do. It's Mosh and Thrasher, the Headbangers? It is. Wearing masks yeah. and... Uh, 
Yeah, the crowd are chanting for them. <laughs> the crowd are chanting, let's go spiders. <laughs> that bodes well for Billy and Bart uh... as the reigning champions. Um, we're back just in time to see the sidewinder from the Gunners for the win. What was the point in showing us that? <laughs> Jackins is pointed at his notes and it just says thoughts, fucking nothing. It what was... was the point? And then you remember, this was pre-taped. Yeah. <laughs> so I reckon, I, I can only assume they've got the timing completely skew if on this somehow. And they've just mm. gone, we can't lob anything off the other matches. So let's just cut the shit out of what may have been a crap match between the guns and the spiders. Yeah, to be fair. The only thing I can think of is maybe the match was shit and it exposed the guns as being shit. And if the crowd were chanting, this, let's go spiders all the way through. Yeah. That, you know, that's, that's it, it? We've solved it. We've cracked it. When we come back, the crowd are chanting, let's go spiders. Yeah. If the crowd were chanting for the spiders all the way through, Vince don't want that on the telly. No. They ain't got time to sweeten it. Just cut the match short. It was, and it, also it gives you that vibe of you must never turn off ooh. the WWF because you will miss something. Well, it's strange because, yeah, it cut to it. So, oh, underway right now, smoking guns. This was after we'd seen Doc Hendricks again, by the way. Yeah. For a second, saying, oh, 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 Razor. Oh, he's on the way. So it cuts to this match. And literally all you see is you see Billy hit a fame asser to no reaction because it's not a thing yet. Let's go spiders. Tags in Bart. Bart hits a few fuckers. Gets them off for the sidewinder to a smattering of booze, and then they get the win, and then it cuts straight away before the celebration. Quickly get to go backstage when to nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no, Tyler, no. We cut to the wrestling war room. Oh. More parody and satire from the WWF. They like to they like you to know that it's parody and satire, because therefore they can't be sued for defamation. Yes. Because it's parody and satire. And that's all. It's a fair game. Ted, billionaire Ted says he's bought himself a network, a World Series, and a library of classic movies. They do a nice little grayscale shot as he says that, which is quite cute. Yeah. And he wants to know why he can't buy the WWF. Uh, the accountants around the around the table say it's not for sale, and we need some of their superstars. To which Vince Russo says, "All we've got is the disloyal, greedy husbands from the '80s." Huckster, Scheme Gene, and Nacho Man protest this. Nacho Man, in particular, saying, "I started in the '70s," <laughs> which was actually very funny. Yeah, uh, WWF, you're a bit shit with comedy, but that made me laugh. <laughs> And Gene going, like, what's the what's the problem with trying to con um make a buck? <laughs> it's the way as well, like when Bruce is saying, we have their disloyal and just cuts the savage. We have their greedy, cuts the scheme gene. <laughs> we have the has beans and it cuts to the hooks that do it all the poses. <laughs> these these are quite good, aren't they? They are quite they are good. Yeah. Ted yucks at the thought of calling Huckster the boy toy as the voiceover says, the WWF, we are not for sale. Nick Khan enters the chat. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, the the people playing Ted and Huckster in particular are really good at it. I was, I'd only ever seen bits of these out of context and the video that we put up about the, you know, the backstage about it. But as they've been going on the weeks, I'm just like, it's, I kind of like them. It helps Raw breeze mm. along. The 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 points, the zingers are funny. The zingers, that's what they are. This one was less subtle than the week before where they're saying, oh, we're not on steroids. This was just mm. like, Savage is disloyal, Mean Jeans greedy, Hulk Hogan shit, basically. <laughs> no, Nacho Man Nacho, is greedy. sorry. Scheme Gene is greedy. Huckster, Huckster is a has-been. 
But yeah, uh, we forget. I did like at the end when uh, Jerry Law says, "Oh, I wonder what'll happen when uh, Ted Turner gets his hands on Time Warner." Oh, Ooh. little do you know. Uh, WCW's response to Billionaire Ted has been a three-pronged approach from Eric Bischoff. Week one was threats of a lawsuit, to which they went, it's parody, mate. It's parody. Week two was Bischoff staunchly defending the steroid policy and saying, hey, WWF, how about your steroid policy? And then the third week was, I'm just not going to talk about it. I'm just going to carry on. (laughs) Which is probably the best policy. But yeah, Bischoff, who had been just shouting about how shit the WWF was, suddenly WWF started shitting them back. And he was like... All right, and, and Don't forget the fourth prong to make it a fork. Eric Bischoff in the ring screaming, Vince McMahon, I'm going to oh, kick yeah. you in the head. Kick you in the head, you fanny. <laughs> Got that to look forward to. Um, Goldust heads to the ring for a chat with Vince McMahon. Uh, Vince McMahon asks Goldust point blank if he is trying to, quote, prey on the homophobic fears of most men, mainly the machismo of Razor Ramon. Goldust then asks Vince if he has an extra microphone or is in his pants or if he's just pleased to see him. And then it sounds like Jerry Law is legit laughing <laughs> on commentary. He's like, <laughs> as Vince looks repulsed. Uh, Goldust has carefully selected Razor Ramon as his one. He says, I want you so bad, bad guy, more than any man or woman could ever want a human being. He tells Ramon to not forget the name of Goldust. This was good. It was good. I, I like the fact as well, when Vince said that line, are you trying to prey upon the homophobic fears of most men? That just sums up exactly what WWF wanted from the character. Mm-hmm. It just summed it up right there. It's like, yeah. well, Goldust, he preys upon the homophobic fears of most men. Uh, and at the end, though, Jerry Lawler, Goldust is here. He may be queer. Get used to it. And it's like, oh, Jerry. Yeah, that was that was a, an odd line. But uh, No, I thought this, I thought this was really good. Um but we'll, I'll, I'll have a, we'll have a bit more on this at the end, especially from more the observer. In a bit. Uh, Undertaker vignette, a dangerous dark rage burns within him and a passion for WWF gold has been ignited. His destiny is a WWF title. Bret Hart tells him to wake up into the real world and they'll have a showdown at the Rumble. I'm looking forward to it. I think this is the first Rumble. Is this the first showdown between Bret Hart and The Undertaker? Probably in singles. I like I like the whole technical wrestler who's like, let's just fucking do it properly. And Undertaker, who is this dead zombie. Yeah. <laughs> I like, how will these two coexist? I guess we'll find out. I'm sure it'll be fine. Doc Hendricks has been waiting all day for Razor Ramon. Razor Ramon pushes past him. And <laughs> as Doc says, oh, Goldust is here. He just did a... Short with Vince, and then Ramon walks off. Great job, Doc. Glad you stood there all show. All that build-up. We cut to Doc about four times throughout the show until we got to this. To have Razor Ramon and the leather jacket go, fuck off, Doc. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <Dickhead. laughs> well done, Doc. You got the big interview. Come to our big main event. Isaac Yankum DDS is facing The Undertaker. It'll be a classic match, brother versus brother. (laughs) (laughs) I will never put my hands on my brother. Except when he's dressed as a dentist. (laughs) Then it's cute. Uh, Yeah, this is the first Undertaker Kane match on television. Yeah. I believe they had a run-in in Smoky Mountain when he was the Unabomber. Yes, I think that was the first. This was from what I saw on Cage Match. Thank you again, Cage Match. Thank you, Cage Match. Yeah, they'd been doing bits on the house shows. They'd had... I think running in, you say Smoky Mountain, wasn't it? Yeah. 
I think it was. Uh, was, was he Unabomber or was he the Christmas creature? <laughs> oh, sadly, he was the Unabomber and not the Christmas creature. They tangled at the Survivor Series, but this is the first yeah, singles WWF match between them. Yankum, according to Vince, is in more trouble than Hillary Clinton. Uh, so uh, this is uh, the Whitewater controversy that is rumbling on I this week in America. I don't know this. So um, a New York Times report during the presidential campaign uh, reported this. Um, basically, it's to do with legal costs from Hillary Clinton, the, the boring version of it. I'm uh-huh. very, very quickly summing it up. Um on January the 26th, 1996, Clinton became the first spouse of a U.S. president to be subpoenaed to testify for a federal grand jury. After several independent counsels had investigated, a final report was issued in 2000 that stated there were insufficient evidence that either Clinton had engaged in criminal wrongdoing. So there was a bit of a money system, money thing going uh, on. Okay. Kept it very, very vague. I know this, this is not a, it's not a history of news podcast. Very sad. I could tell you, I could tell you all the N64 games that came out this week, but I couldn't tell you about Whitewater. <laughs> Find out in your own time. There's plenty of podcasts about it. Um, Undertaker and Yankum have an Undertaker and Kane match. Uh, Undertaker says he's grabbing Yankum by... Oh, no, Vincent Mann says he's grabbing Yankum by the mandible, which gave Mick Foley an idea for mm. months to come. <laughs> Mason. Yankum had, Yankum had a good go, but Undertaker sat up, went for a tombstone. Yankum escapes to the outside. The fight continues on the floor with Undertaker choking Yankum by the ring post and nearly getting counted out. McMahon says the Undertaker has been more ruthless since wearing the mask, which is a nice little storyline addition. I yeah. like that. Like the fact that the mask maybe makes him a little bit more, a little bit more wild. Well, I'd, I'd noticed in this as well, this... Because I was looking at him and thinking, I can't remember before the mask what Undertaker's attire was. Mm. But this was starting to look more like, like as I like to call him, King of the Ring Undertaker. Yeah. He's just got the plain sleeveless shirt. He's got the pants. I think he's got the gray gloves, long black hair, no mullet, nothing. And then the mask. Mm. And he does look, yeah, he, he looks cool. Taker nearly breaks Isaac's arm on the turnbuckle as Jerry Lawler attempts to steal the chains that represent the urn from Paul Bearer. Taker sees his shenanigans, King legs it, and all this silliness gives Yankum time to get back into the fight during the break. Uh, Yankum tries to make Taker submit into a crap-looking single crab as the crowd chant, rest in peace. <laughs> Yankum went, I know what I'll do. <laughs> this will be work. This will work. Single crab. Got him, at, <laughs> got him in the palms of our hands, brother. <laughs> We've got him, brother. A man who's never submitted. We get a picture-in-picture picture of Doc fucking Hendrix. Goldust will talk about his match next week with Bret Hart after this match. Of course he will. So, yeah, so next week, Goldust is facing Bret Hart post-Rumble. Uh, Vince says Goldust does not represent the gay community. His sexual preference is not an issue here, but he has been harassing Razor Ramon regardless. Vince has been well-prepped. Well, this is coming from, I, I'd said, in... On last week's show, that Meltzer had mentioned that WF maybe trying to give themselves an out on the character because people have been complaining. Yeah. Goldust have been like rubbing themselves at shows. So this is them basically <laughs> saying, "Oh no, oh this could this the whole thing could be an act just for this story." Basically, yeah, it? that's it, that's it. So they by by saying that they kind of distance themselves from what many may consider a homophobic storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, which probably isn't a, a bad thing to do. You know, it's 96. The world is very slowly changing in that regard. So Vince is probably very aware of it from what's been told. I, I imagine, as I say, I think he's been prepped on. That line felt very, like, read this verbatim. Yeah. Like, don't don't tart it up. 
read it verbatim, covers our back. Uh, Yankum goes for a tombstone. Take a counters out of it. We didn't say what, because we had to fucking cut to Doc Hendricks again. Heaven forbid we, we, we miss Doc Hendricks scratching his ass backstage. Because we cut to Hendrix and we miss how Undertaker got out of the tombstone. I think this was a fuck up. Do you think it was a fuck up? Yeah. Ah, I never thought of that. Because the spot usually is, because Yankin goes for the tombstone and Undertaker goes to flip over to, into his own tombstone. It suddenly cuts to Doc Hendrix going, oh, and then back. And it's like, oh, Undertaker uh, slammed him down. So I think he went for flip over into his own tombstone. Uh, lost his foot and dropping. Probably a better idea. But even then, there could have been a better way of editing this because it was taped a month ago. This mm. was taped in December. So, but yeah, I think this is a fuck up. Right, okay. Uh, we don't see it as we say, but Taker then lands a tombstone for the three. Immediately, Vince says, wait a minute, don't go anywhere because Doc Hendricks has gold dust. This is like, this is very in keeping of um, of the, the nature of wrestling on a Monday night at the moment where it is a case of, Everybody's flicking the channels now. Yeah. So Vince is desperate to keep them there. Like, don't go anywhere because there's more story. Please. Uh, Goldust is talking about his match with Bret Hart next week with Doc Hendricks. And it's, I don't know why this made me laugh because it's just like one camera and he's there going, oh, Bret Hart, well, I'm looking at you. Da, 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 da. And then Razor Ramon just sort of like shuffles quite with, 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 with on a mission into the shot yeah. and just pops Goldust. Just flat, just flat out, just goes bop. Like Goldust could, surely Goldust would have seen him coming. He just goes, hey, freak, and smacks him in the head. Goldust is like, oh, fucking hell. Goldust, uh, so so he proper batters him here, calling him a freak, smashing him with a bin. Um, oh, you, he smashes <clears throat> him with a bin. He really does. <laughs> like, Razor, mate, he's doing a character. Calm down. Razor did not like this storyline and you could tell by the yeah. by the sheer anger in this story. Goldust gave Razor a low blow as we cut to break. <laughs> but I like the fact though that he, this is the most realistic selling of a low blow I've ever seen because mm. all the referees were going, ah, oh, the referees were trying to break it up. Going, ah, hits him in the balls and goes, ooh. And <laughs> Razor's on the floor going, <coughs> He really sells the low blow, like, doesn't he? Oh shit, that's really good. Back from the break, and Sonny's in the bath. Probably a sweaty game of snooker. Saying, we did it for almost an hour, which is utterly unrealistic. <laughs> Who does it for an hour? Um, no, 90 seconds of fast. All right. All right. All right, Mr. Mr. Olympia. <laughs> <laughs> backstage again <laughs> Razor's being calmed down by the officials presumably they're checking his bollocks but not touching them mm. Goldust tries to leave <laughs> putting his coat on like he's rushing out of a nightclub mm. and Razor just jumps him again Goldust gets bounced into a fuse box 20 years I don't know, no sorry nearly 6 years before Tourette's dust appears oh shit <laughs> um, speaking of did you hear what Doc Hendricks yeah! said? He goes, oh, shit. Holy shit. <laughs> he proper fucking battered him. <laughs> it was amazing. They fight outside in the snow. Remember, there was a blizzard. Yeah. The most, um, the, the, one of the biggest blizzards in the history of the northeast of America hit last week, which is why Raw was a bit fraught last week. Uh, and it was still the remnants from it. Ramon is twatting Goldust with the shuffle. Goldust manages to recover. He bounces Ramon's head off a truck, tries to escape and slips on the black ice. This shouldn't have been as funny as it was, but I had a lovely time watching a very angry Scott Hall 
fuck up Dustin Runnels for being a bit weird and then like them falling over themselves in trains. <laughs> All the officials like, oh, look, look, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, Goldus gets into his car and drives off and Ramon throws a bin at the car as it goes. I loved this. It this was wild. was amazing. <laughs> this is so good. They've built up uh, seemingly, because it was simmering, it's like, oh, Goldust's a bit weird. Oh, he keeps biting at Razor Ramon. Oh, he's rubbing his tit. And it seems like <laughs> it, it seems like in the case of uh, in like a week, they've gone right. Dial it up to eleven next week as well. Goldust versus Bret Hart. They, they've gone fuck yeah. Mm. Even though they've they've been saying they've kind of given themselves an out and they're saying this isn't this isn't a homophobic storyline or character. They're saying that, but people are talking and people are angry at it. Yeah, fuck it, we're going with Goldust. Uh, I really like this. This is this is the match I'm most invested in on the Rumble. More than they've done fuck all with Brett versus Taker, really. But mm. the build-up for this was really good. Do you want a little bit from the Observer? I would love a bit from the Observer. So Dave is doing a piece building up to the Rumble, saying there's likely going to be some title changes. And he's put, given the build-up, Goldust is probably going to win the Intercontinental title with probably the main obstacle in his path not being how disappointing the gimmick has gotten over, but the opposition to both the gimmick and to him getting the title from the click, because the click wanted Hunter Hearst Helmsley to be the one to take the title from Razor. And obviously, like you're saying there, Razor's just like, not I'm, fuck off, I'm not having this. So he's mm. punching gold dust. He's saying, this is shit. <laughs> the clicker backstage saying, oh, we want Hunter Helmsley to win the title, fuck off. Oh. And Goldust just like, I'm Dusty's boy, and... I'll punch you. <laughs> so <laughs> they could have, they should have called the clicks bluff and gone, okay, Helmsley can win, but he has to do the gold dust gimmick. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Oh no, don't like it no oh. more. Yeah, there's a lot of opposition to to all of this, wasn't there? Uh, also on the brawl, despite everyone claiming Jim Cornette had nothing to do with the booking, his DNA was all over the Ramon Goldust angle, says Dave Meltzer. Yeah. Uh, complete with them brawling out of the building and the heel getting his car and driving off. The brawl was much stiffer than you'd expect from the WWF or anyone else for that matter. Yeah. Couldn't be, couldn't agree more, Dave. This was. Yeah, I mean... Very funny, but very aggressive. And I think as well with uh, Vince saying, you know, he doesn't represent the, the, the gay community, he doesn't represent any community is what he said. And I was like, mm-hmm. uh, this is the tip of the iceberg for the beginning of 96 for mm. how uh, opposition to Goldust is going to look homophobic. Because, again, WrestleMania's on the horizon. Oh, I cannot yes. fucking wait. <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts on Raw this week? Good episode. This was great fun. Yeah, good go home. Like we were saying about the billionaire Ted, it's helping break up the shows. 45 minutes to use the 45 minutes well. Action, then a backstage bit with Todd or fucking Doc a hundred times. Bit more wrestling. Sonny looking fit in a bath saying, oh, we did it for an hour. Get some pseudogram, you'll be all right. Um, the Yeah, they're the, the leaning into it. This episode, you've got Goldust basically saying, yeah, fuck, I'm playing mind games and then getting battered. You've got Sonny saying, oh, we do, well, we, we're all after an hour. <laughs> you've got, you know, parental discretion is advised. Mm. It's this, 
yeah, really good. Interesting banger between Ginetti and Owen. Yeah, oh God, yeah. Really good opener. That was a nice time. It was a nice time. Next week is the Royal Rumble, the 1996 edition of the Royal Rumble. And Jackins and I will be offering an alternative commentary to the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. You'll be able to listen to it on this very podcast feed. I'd love it if you could join us. And for that, anything you're working on? (sighs) That, That... Big, big boy, that's hurting me. That sounded completely sounds, weird. Out yeah, of that sounds quite worrying. Um, it, it, the, it, the, the secret big boy that you're working <laughs> on. Big list, but it's those early stages where I'm just like, oh, fucking hell. The enormity of the uh, project is ahead of me. And it's it's one of those where when I get to the, the absolute meat of it, it's going to be a really good list, but... These early entries, there's some dross I've got to get through. So at the moment, it's just like, oh, fucking hell. (laughs) Yourself, anything apart from? Uh, A brand new Desert Island Graps will be on your podcast feed on Wednesday uh, featuring Venice Gabrielle. Now, the name may not ring a bell, but there is a series on Netflix currently called Midnight Asia. And it's all about what goes on in different parts of Asia, you know, in the late hours, like in sort of like the nightlife and stuff of Asia. And this particular episode about the Philippines caught my eye because we got to see Venice in action as Crystal, who is one of very few female wrestlers on the wrestling scene in Manila. Okay. And I was fascinated by this. So I reached out to Venice and said, do you fancy coming on and talking about the wrestling scene in the Philippines? She's like, yeah, let's do it. So by the time you are watching this, the episode is recorded, and you'll hear it on Wednesday. Fucking I really love it. I'm very blessed with Desert Island Graps. We we you know we we mix it up. We've had guys from WWE, guys from AEW, Impact Wrestling guys, New Japan, and I like the fact that we can shine a light on different on on independent wrestlers as well. Yeah, and wrestlers from off the beaten track, and also wrestling from different cultures and different cities and countries and, and 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 parts of the world and i'm really excited for you to find out a little bit more about venice aka crystal and the wrestling scene in the philippines oh very nice really cool really excited for that one and that'll be on the podcast feed on wednesday and if you're a patron you can watch it as well you lucky thing and until we are back together to talk more bollocks like this he is at brad atkins on twitter i'm at tom campbell on twitter <laughs> We're at Cult Alec on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Ahmed Johnson's not been on this week. Give us an Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> Love you. Bye. <laughs> See. I noticed uh, with the new intro that you slipped a little Ahmed in there. How did you it? like that? <laughs> <laughs> did it? <laughs> I was like, oh, you little bastard. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
for all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes. Search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.